Hello, and welcome to Block Bites Daily. It's me, Corvault, here today, and we've got two geniuses in the house. We've got DK and Cozy from Premia Finance, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the recent governance proposal that passed. Then we're going to talk about some macro, crypto, and typical markets, broader markets. And we got some clown stuff to cover today, some goofy stuff, and we got a chat of the day. So it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a great show, guys. We're going to get a lot of good information. And uh, let's go ahead and start it. Mikey, take me away. Cozy, DK, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks How for having us today. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us again. Oh, yeah, dude. I was excited, man. I've been wanting to have you guys back for a while now. So let's start it off, man. Like, how's it been going over there, Premia? How are you guys hanging in there? Been going well. Um, grinding, getting ready to drop Premia Blue. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, everyone's been pretty heads down. Uh, loosening up all the tight ends and uh, closing things up after the trading competition. Yeah, we had a super successful uh, ECC in Paris. Like, we oh. super successful. We sent um, we sent a little over ten people. We even had some parliament members, so like some of the governance community, uh, mm -hmm. and we just got we got a ton done. Hell yeah, man! So it's looking good. It's looking good. Um, starting the getting prep for next year, I imagine getting uh, things in a, in a row. All your duckies in a row. Um, the latest thing I've seen from you guys is this meta economics revamp proposal that just recently passed. Little fish, you got a hundred percent approval rating, but I think it might just be that good. Um, can you guys tell me a little bit about it? About the fees? The the big thing I saw was the fees being changed up and kind of the allocations being changed up. Yeah, um, but I mean, all of our governance proposals go into uh, quite a bit of pre work. So by the time that they usually hit governance, um, all the parties have kind of ironed out all of the, the grievances. And so like what hits the actual proposal is usually like, you know, we, we expect, you know, no, no contention. Um, but yeah, so, so this proposal, it's been something we've been working on uh, since April. In April, we brought on 10 elected members of the community. Uh, we call them the parliament. And... Um, they kind of run the show for most of the, the wider community in terms of, you know, as a stakeholder group. Mm -hmm. And so one of the main things that, that they wanted was some tokenomics revamp. We also had a bunch of stuff coming in the pipeline with Premium Blue. And so we, we, we meshed it all together. Um, and, and, you know, what you saw that was, that was approved yesterday is, is the, the ultimate fruit of that labor. And so, yeah, the, the biggest things on there, I agree. I think that the, so we were kind of spinning things into different product categories, right? So like obviously mm -hmm. our, our, our bread and butter is the options exchange, but there are some other things from a DAO to DAO, business to business, um, platform to platform arena that we wanted to, you know, we, we built that in a modular way that we can kind of onboard a, other, you know, protocols with. And so as part of that, um, we're moving our, our typical emissions, you know, the typical liquidity mining where you get free tokens for providing liquidity, we're, we're changing that up, mixing that, and we're moving to an options-based 
um, liquidity mining. You know, we're an options exchange. We should have an options-based mm -hmm. liquidity mining. Makes sense. And, yeah. And, and with that um, comes a, a modular onboarding for other protocols if they want to use it. Um, and uh, there are and so like one of the biggest concerns with the parliament was dilution, right? So like if you're just providing liquidity, you're getting these tokens free of charge and you're diluting the current stakeholders, right? And so mm -hmm. there are mechanisms in there that essentially cut that, that dilution in half and all of the extraction from the protocol that happens with, with emissions is then shared with the current, you know, staking users. So that's the biggest thing. It's, you know, it's, like I said, it's modular. You can, if other protocols want to utilize it, we have, you know, the whole suite to, to, to deploy for them. Um, and then we will have a secondary uh, exchange for those, for those emissions as well, because you get them in, in call options. And so if you just want to, you know, sell them, um, at, you know, you get them at 50 cents on the dollar on our implementation, but that's, that's, you can change that. But if you want to sell them at 25 cents on the dollar straight up and take your cash and walk away and, and give that call option to someone else, there's a secondary, uh, secondary market to do that. All right. So Very that was, cool. that was one of the biggest things. Um, when we first did our, you know, quote unquote white paper, if you will, back in February, uh, of 2021, you know, there wasn't a lot of space for uh, tokens for the DAO, right? And so mm -hmm. that was that was a big thing. Um, and so what we did is we essentially took a lot of the reallocation of like the marketing budget, the partnership budget. Um, we had some stuff that was that we had previously used for a bonding curve, which then was going to roll into security module, find out we don't really need security module. So flip those 10 million tokens into DAO. And now the DAO kind of owns and operates a, a large portion of of the I, I say DAO. I don't. I hate the word DAO. Uh, we use blue descent, uh, yeah. which is essentially a decentralized enterprise. But um, for for ease of use, uh, and since there's no you know no like term, uh, the 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 parliament ran organization uh, or organization. <laughs> the Congress, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they they have uh, a large token allocation that they they control now, right? And so that's super fruitful. Uh, uh, the parliament guys are super cool. We meet with them uh, on a weekly basis. Um, and we just, you know, it's it's negotiating and compromising. And uh, we come to something that, you know, is, is fruitful for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. So those options that are uh, being rewarded, you guys call it the air drip, which I like that, right? The, oh, yes. uh, the idea of kind of incentivizing more long-term interaction rather than airdrop hunting who, you know, they just send like locusts and then fly off with an allocation that they immediately dump. Yeah. Uh, so, well, one of the things that came out with the tokenomics discussions was we had originally planned for 10 years of emissions, right? And mm -hmm. 10 years is, you know, who knows if we're going to be in crypto. No, I mean, we'll still be in crypto, but that's a long time, mm -hmm. right? In Web3. So we're like, okay, let's, let's accelerate the um, tokens that get out to the, the current stakers. And so... Yeah, that's done. We call it air drip um, because it, it is an overtime uh, allocation and it's based on, you know, it's essentially we have a, a very similar voting escrow model. And so the longer you, you uh, escrow those tokens, the more like influence you have over, you know, voting uh, decisions. And then also the larger allocation that you'll get in those air drips. So instead of being a 10 year allocation, we've kind of pivoted to a four year allocation. And then the, that extra that extra overage that we have is is being emitted via airdrop. Nice. 
I mean, it's called air drip because it's literally dripping out, but also because it's so swaggy and cool is what I imagine. Oh, and we got provocative to talk about today. Yeah. Gets the yeah, people going. TLDR on what <clears throat> uh, DK was saying about it being modular. If you have a protocol, you want your tokens listed on Premia Blue, and you would like to offer your own tokens as options liquidity mining, we have that set up for you. Awesome. And then uh, the last thing I want to cover is so uh, the fees, were they were they changed up in this? Or maybe they were always like this, but it was like a 20% fee for all profit on, uh, I think, vaults and, and the options themselves. But that can be like completely nerfed. Well, I mean, nerfed by a substantial amount by locking premia, right? VE premia. Am I, am I right? <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Um, yeah, no, you're close. You're close. Um, so V2 only had the uh, options exchange, mm -hmm. right? And right now we have an 80-20 allocation there where 80% goes to stakers, 20% goes to the core contributor group to continue building things out. Um, obviously, that's uh, the, the with the current, you know, fee structures that we collect in, in V2, it's not really sustainable nonetheless. Um, we're keeping that allocation the same for now uh, at the base layer. So at the exchange layer, it's still going to be 80-20. However, we're introducing new products, right? So we have, um, the, uh, excuse me, the liquidity mining fees will go to stakers. That never will go to uh, the, the protocol, you know, the core contributing group. Mm -hmm. But for the um, margin side of things, there is going to be uh, a lending rate on borrowed uh, borrowed margin. There's obviously a, a small liquidation fee, um, and then you know we're, we're introducing some some other parts to the, uh, the the vault layer, which is essentially a algorithmic um, strategy in which that like if you deposit if you have passive liquidity and you want to deposit it, then we we bring that eyeball surface online uh, on chain, and then we will underwrite those options for people that are coming in and, and, and buying that. We call the first vault that we're going to be launching with is the underwriter vault. But there's also performance and management fees at that layer as well, right? So mm -hmm. um, we're using those new products, the fees that are generated on those new products to fund um, uh, essentially to an insurance fund similar to like what you saw back in the day with like BitMEX. Whereas there are certain events that potentially could lead bad debt. And so we have our margin calculation as a, you know, the max margin that's allowed to be lend as a function of what the insurance fund is. And so let's say that, you know, under a Six Sigma event uh, that, you know, we are left with 10% of bad debt, then um, let's say that we have $10 million in margin. That means that we're going to have $1 million in bad debt. So that means we need to have at least $1 million in the insurance fund, right, to cover all that mm -hmm. bad debt, right? So uh, we, we think we have a pretty robust liquidation and value at risk model. Our margin calculation actually takes in the eyeball surface, which is, is, which is novel. However, you know, these events, you know, the crypto is super volatile. So like these events might happen and thus the max amount of margin that we will allow will be a function of what we can comfortably cover if a bad debt event happens, right? So we don't want to get left, you know, we don't want to get left with our lenders holding the bag. And so uh, all the protocol revenue that gets funded into uh, those new products will go into the insurance fund for now. We're remaining the base layer at an 80-20 split. 
And then in January, we'll be revisiting with Parliament since we have, you know, four or five months of data underneath our belt to look at, like, what are the fee structures? Where do we need to revisit and change? Um, where do we need to reallocate? What does the current run rate look like? So we're, we're starting to provide a lot more transparency in, like, what is the cost to run, you know, the, the developer efforts? What is the process? You know, what is the infrastructure costs? Um, because we have a, a lot more, you know, a lot more cool hybrid on off chain stuff so like we have server costs we have cloud costs now and stuff so yeah so with all that um we just kind of kicked the can down the road we said okay we'll, we'll revisit that in january we'll keep everything as is right now and then when we have more data we can you know come to the negotiating table again awesome dude yeah i mean that makes sense you got to have some uh some backstop funds in case uh bad debt something we've seen a lot uh recently in crypto uh i mean I don't know if we could. I don't know if we consider curve bad debt, but it's like irresponsible lending. Maybe <laughs> there's there's bad debt that exists because of curve tokens. Mm -hmm. We won't say like the curve protocol. I don't think has incurred any bad debt. It's just that Ave and a handful mm -hmm. of others now have bad debt because of. Well, I don't know if they've reached bad debt, but they've been very close this week. Yeah, it's scary. They're playing it fast and loose. It's a little scary. They were a hundred million in, in lending on one token. I don't know. <laughs> so much, man. A hundred million. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to shift gears here today. So we typically do a segment called Chat of the Day. I mean, not typically. Sometimes we do this. And so the two options here. I want to. I want. I want to hear what you guys think before we pick one. The first is SBF. Is it SBF or the mysterious bald rugger? Or is it Richard Hart, who is proudly and triumphantly standing up against the SEC? I'll make the case here. DK, the thing that prompted this, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but there's a nice conspiracy theory, and we love the conspiracies, that it might have been SBF who attacked Bald. Um, because I got your tweet here. Let me share it. <laughs> I know I should post. <laughs> yeah, he's po he poked around the deployer address. It seems the owner had a close relationship with Catherine, L I mean, Ellison.eth, And given the account's NFT holdings, he seems to be an avid storybook brawl and League of Legends player. Two of the worst games to have ever existed. Um, so it would make sense. One of the worst guys to have ever existed played it. What do you guys think about this? Fun conspiracy or is there a hair of truth to this? Um, I think... Uh, that it's probably someone within arm's reach, but it's not SBF. Like mm. I saw uh, one thing that I was talking about the other day was, you know, Ivan from Wintermute put out a post saying like he was sending out a bunch of information about this and it was kind of bothering him. He didn't want to, you know, start pushing out this narrative while um, all of the Viper like exploit stuff was going on. But um, mm -hmm. his theory is that it's it's actually Sam Trabuco because mm. of uh, some of the skill that it would have taken to uh, run some of the strategies for farming early on that some of that on-chain activity um, shows. And I like that theory a bit more, but I think that some of the, I think the memetics around Bald are a bit too to the ground maybe or um too young for trabuco or sbf <clears throat> so i mm -hmm. lean more towards the other conspiracy that it would be jhl from serum 
uh, mm. because he was tied pretty closely in with the original FTX guys. He's younger. He understands meme culture. He's still around in CT, uh, had significant amounts of capital. You know, who know? I, I haven't checked on chain. I don't really like sleuth around Solana too much, but they raised, mm-hmm. I, I think, 80 or 100 million or something back then. And I mean, come on, guys, like Serum's a Dex. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure who. I, I don't. I don't like the excuses that like, oh, he's on house arrest. He doesn't have they they mm-hmm. monitor his access. Like, uh, I I won't say what I said earlier uh, to the T, but you know, there are high ranking members of you know U.S. government and and family members of them that do all sorts of shit on their their laptops, their computers uh, when they're they're being monitored and. Uh, nothing comes of that or nobody hears about that sometimes for years. So, uh, you know, I don't think an excuse of he's on house arrest and they monitor his stuff is, is enough to count him out. But, but I also don't believe that he is um, so mimetically sophisticated enough to have uh, deployed bald and, and kind of run that meme scam. But if I was, yeah. uh, if I was an investigator, I would definitely be looking at like the Brian is bald Dejan Spartan tweets and like who liked those, right? And like I think <laughs> we can narrow down like the, the pool of applicants to mm-hmm. who is like who liked all those tweets, um, you know, maybe who retweeted them, stuff like that. And I think you could probably narrow it down. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, we could do a little mimetic investigation there. Who was the biggest on bald? Who thought it was the funniest thing in the world? That's the guy most likely to launch it. Well, at least that's the audience he's targeting. Now, so you see, Trident like Field FTX. in the in the comments brings up like a really good point. He's like, "See how long, how young do you need to be to understand meme culture?" I'm 35 now. I can't understand what Baldur is referring to, and like you know, <laughs> that's precisely kind of my point. Like uh, the majority of people over the age of 35 uh, don't spend enough time in engulfed in like crypto meme culture to where uh, I think they would they would pull off bald. Uh, I could be wrong, you know, right? Like he could be mm-hmm. just sitting there, like twiddling his thumbs, laughing, stuffing his face with bags of chips, and drinking, you know, champagne on his yacht, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making bald memes. But I don't, I don't uh, take Trabuco or SBF for you know filling their their free time in uh, currently in the current environment yeah. for them with uh, you know launching bald. Well, you guys convinced me. Very unlikely, I think, then that it's SBF. Uh, this other fella sounds a lot more suspicious. But I did kind of like the idea that SBF was so vengeful, so full of hate, that he was willing to risk getting his bail revoked just to take a shot at uh, his arch nemesis, Brian Armstrong. Uh, but I don't think it's likely. So let's change tracks here to Richard Hart. Um, he's embroiled with the SEC now. Not uncommon for a crypto guy that's very public, but it's not common for a crypto guy to be so uh, dripped out, dude. That This cool. <laughs> Look at this guy, man. I see a that's lot of drippy uh, crypto people. It, it's mm-hmm. it's rare to see someone this, uh, this brazenly dripped out, right? Like, you know, you see yeah. a lot of jewelry. You see a lot of things that are like subtle flexes, like, you know, some shoes that may be like a few thousand dollars that only someone who's really into sneakers would know or mm-hmm. uh, a bracelet, you know, like all these guys now are wearing these 
these uh, Van Cleefs, the the Fem- the Submariners of Femboys, um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like not everyone would know like what that is or what it's worth because it, but it's subtle and like people that are are into that kind of thing they understand it. Whereas Richard Hart is just like in your face, uh, oh, yeah. Gucci, Louis, monogram everything. Um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rare you see uh, that level of um, brazenness. That pre- He's almost like a rapper. Yeah, the previous bit more. Got a hex chain on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does. Does. I mean, I like this other one here uh, because he's holding the diamond. He's holding the biggest, blackest diamond in the whole I world. I didn't know that when I was. I I use this photo all the time in memes, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, I didn't realize he was holding the diamond in his hand. I just I loved the the rainbow colored monogram Gucci <laughs> shirt, from matching his yeah. uh his purse. He's really showing out. I mean, I love what you're saying too. That he's, you know, he's really pushing, you know, the the famous brands in your face, right? He's got this Gucci bag, and he made sure to include the Lamborghini logo in the bottom, so that you knew he was putting in a Lambo, uh, probably the most meme car you could buy for a crypto person. Uh, he really leaned into it, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a. I mean, I think this might be a bit of a joke, but supposedly a Richard Hart documentary trailer. I've got a little clip I want to play here uh, of this. Let me uh, make sure it's even uh, possible to hear it. Uh, come. I look at the chart and I see that it just goes up and to the right, yeah. but it's not curving down. It's going up and to the right and then curving up as well. We are in the highest appreciating asset class in the world and we are in the best version of all these assets. Like, So I, I believe that it can do numbers that feel weird saying that. No. Now, if we were to take a look at Hex, uh, I mean, it's not really going up and to the right. Uh, maybe Put it on log. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You're looking at the chart wrong. That's why. No, just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it is, dude. Look at this. Beautiful. No, but if you zoom out, though, I bet. Oh, actually, I don't know. Yeah, I'm all time. But yeah. Uh, wait, so... so so it is going up into the right. He's right, dude. It's always been a good, it's a great trader. And I've been right, right now. Right now, this is just a blip. It wasn't luck that got him to where he was today, you know. Oh yeah, I. But speaking also about his ability to flex on everybody, I like. Oh, this. I got the world's biggest diamond. I always forget that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the world's biggest diamond, and it doesn't even matter to him, dude. I always forget that. That's funny. I. Yeah. I. Uh, as like a character, I truly like love him. I would I would watch like every vlog if he was not a crypto person, if he were just like, you know, a, a comedian, I would mm-hmm. love his content. But the fact that he is uh is like I don't wanna I don't wanna slander him. Um <laughs> uh, the fact that he is doing things that could be considered uh scandalous and fraudulent. In crypto is what like puts the disgust like in my mouth because like I have to know that he is part of our group. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like I, he's extremely entertaining. He'd be a great like main character in a movie. Oh yeah, he would have. I think he might have made a lot of money if he had just been a crypto comedian. Like if he had just been parodying the lifestyle, he probably would have got a lot of attention. He anyway. would kill it. He would have killed yeah, he'd it. Kill it. You get bookings everywhere. Um, but just to also point out here, so 
he is being charged uh, with misappropriating funds and the diamond. My favorite part of this whole story is that it is included in it. Uh, and I also like that it's called the Enigma. Um, and he also did some wash trading that allowed him to gain control of more hex tokens. Um, and also that he just defrauded investors to buy, you know, Lambos and the like. So where do you, so obviously Richard Hart is the Chad, right? Can they, um, I guess my question comes to like, can they prove that he used those funds to buy all this stuff? Um, Mm. Like if you're remember Richard Hart pre-hacks, like he was a, at least if, if he wasn't, he LARPed as like a, a pretty big, like Bitcoin holder. Um, mm-hmm. and he had a, a decent amount of quote unquote, like clout in the earlier, like Bitcoin days, pre DeFi and stuff like that. And, um, mm-hmm. he did a lot of interviews with more prominent people in crypto at the time. A lot of the OG like Bitcoiners. Um, this so era. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even back then he was very flashy, you know, he had like his mm-hmm. throne that he did his interviews from, he had really nice cameras at the time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. good lighting was always wearing jewelry uh, so like he kind of just evolved into like an Omega edge Lord once hex <laughs> happened, uh, for marketing purposes, right? Like mm-hmm. he started like going all out and just kind of, uh, embraced the, like, no publicity is bad publicity. And let me just be like the biggest billboard possible so that everyone has to look at me. Uh, I'll wear mm-hmm. the most Gucci that anyone's ever seen. I'll drive the flashiest car. I'll record it all. And like, nobody has any choice but to look at me and look at what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. uh, that playbook worked out great. It's just like, you can't do that and not expect there to be some type of investigation into <laughs> how you've got the funds to do all of that. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Painted a big target on his back for real. Um, so, I think, I mean, do you think he's going to beat the charges? I don't know. No. I don't know. It's don't. hard to say. I don't think he's going to beat the charges. I mean, I, I think uh, just like 99.9% of the other people in crypto that hacks and pulse chain and all that kind of stuff is like a total scam. Um, I don't you think don't he's going to. think gonna... forking Ethereum entirely in its state was a good idea? <laughs> it, it sounded like a great idea to the Hexicans. Um, yeah, the biggest airdrop in history. Yeah, I I was surprised that you know at the time our theory was that we should invest in the sacrifice because like it's going to be the most hated and um the most obnoxious thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> and and usually like with investing in crypto because it's very uh emotionally and narrative driven um mm. things like that 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 stir up a lot of emotion whether good or bad um at least have some period of time that they experience uh upward motion <laughs> yeah. so so it seemed like there was an opportunity but everyone knew that like this is a complete scam so richard hark i think kind of lost the plot at hex when he launched mm. that he should have just stayed being like, you know, a contrarian Bitcoiner. And like you said, like become a comedian making fun of it all. And he probably would have made, obviously not as much. He had like over a billion dollars uh, sacrificed to him, but he would have made enough to like ride off into the sunset and be well off probably mm-hmm. just from sponsors over the last like five, six years. 
For sure. I think those sacrifice funds are a portion of this lawsuit because they claim that uh, he promised, I guess, to burn them or just remove them uh, from circulation, all the things that were sacrificed, but instead they were withdrawn to uh, one of his wallets. Uh, so sketchy, but, you know, he's he wears that top hat. He's like a real magician, dude. He might pull a rabbit out of the hat here and, and get out of this. But, you know... Maybe Pulse is the way to go. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Richard Hart's going to save the crypto economy. Weirder who's, things have maybe happened. Who's so, building on PulseX? Richard Hart. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, like, what is there? To, what is there to do there? You know, I think that's something. Like, well, there, because there are people that are going to listen to this and think, you know, like well, maybe Richard Hart will save. But like, what I always try to think about with like, uh, especially L ones or like L twos from the previous cycle is uh, who's still build, building on it and are those products like enticing enough to to bring people to want to use this base layer because if there's no one building anything uh to do on it then there's no reason for you to go take a vacation there right because like yeah. everyone has their like their home base everyone has their land that they like and they stay mm -hmm. there and they play in all the games they ride the rides and um then when something new comes out over in some other country uh, they they take their bridge over to there. They have fun. They play in the new casino, try out the new mm. rides, and then they go back home when they're done. So, mm. what rides are over on Pulse X, right? And like, uh, why would I go there? Why would I stay there? And you know, like I, those are the kind of questions I think you have to ask yourself when you look at things from that are, that are past their initial hype phase. And mm -hmm. I don't think you can answer any of those questions for, for PulseX. You can't say that anyone's building there. You can't say there's any reason to take your money from your home base and go and vacation there and come back. Um, mm -hmm. So for those who are really thinking like, is it something or will it, uh, you should probably ask yourself that before you, you like think, is this worth the risk of betting on Richard, not, you know, getting his ass blasted by the sec. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's a big part of uh, crypto in general is uh, on these different chains. Is you offer like a novel product? Is it like something that I can't get on the chain that I'm usually on? Because uh, if it's just a fork of something I've already got access to, there's not really a lot of reason for me to move there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like there's plenty of lending markets and money markets on, on uh, I don't know, I'll give some random, on Phantom, okay? There's lending... It's probably a bad example. <laughs> okay, on, on Arbitrum. Uh, so there's no reason for me to like go check out a new fork of a lending market on uh, PulseX. Uh, like, why would I risk my funds going to some new place to use some new product when I already have that there and there's composability between probably other protocols on the place that I'm at because they're established. Um, I don't know, those, yeah. Keep asking why questions on CryptoFraud Snap to say. Very seldomly have a good answer. Yeah, that's true, mm -hmm. Wally. It's very seldom that like they will have a good answer for you on why. Um, we we've ourselves try to like iron that out before we put up our proposals and like make changes. Is like the why and is it really necessary and does it have any like long? What are the long lasting impacts of this decision? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was talking about a bit backstage, but, you know, the the whole air drip and meta economics thing, a lot of that discussion came from uh, early community members talking about burns, you know, because they wanted to shrink the supply. 
but it was like, you know, we mm -hmm. don't have the ability to mint new tokens. Uh, premium is a fixed supply token. So if you, you burn those, then what do you plan to do for like these types of initiatives or how do you handle these things down the road? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, yeah, why is a very important question uh, in crypto. A question we should always be asking whenever we're uh, thinking about putting money into anything, really, right? Uh, your hard-earned cash. Why would you do that? Like, why Why would I give this money to you? It's a good point. Um, so let's zoom out a little bit here because uh, you know, I know you guys are really into macro. I know DK loves macro. But let's go to like macro crypto, crypto meta. Where do you guys see it kind of going? I've seen a lot of O-token talk going around. I know... Uh, What's it called? It's named after a food. There's a big O token project named after food. Tapioca. Tapioca. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think about this? Are O tokens maybe the next big thing? And if not, what is? Uh, I I think it's going to be like a thing, right? Like uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of protocols, obviously not option protocols as well. Um, you know, understand that vanilla liquidity mining is, is zero sum and like. They want to find ways to distribute tokens, to centralize the supply um, without all of the adverse effects of just giving supply over to mercenary capital. Mm -hmm. uh, I think options liquidity mining is one way that you can solve that. Uh, for us, at least, it just made sense. We would have done this a long time ago, but we didn't have a, a, a price oracle for Premia. And for V2, we only use Chainlink for price oracles. Uh, so that put a bit of a roadblock on us releasing options liquidity mining back when we launched V2. Um, but but I think, you know, for, for protocols outside of that, it solves a lot of issues that current liquidity mining or traditional liquidity mining has caused. And you can see that in the majority of charts that had vanilla liquidity mining in DeFi 1.0, DeFi 1.5, if you want to say too, um, where you have this wild run up and then it just like nukes to nothing and there's some stagnation period. And then the chart like gets some liveliness again because people come back and they realize like, oh, it wasn't a scam or, um, oh, there's actually something useful for me to do with this protocol and they're still here. Um, but most people are kind of blinded by just APR, APY in a farm. So they just go, okay, like is, am I going to get rugged? Uh, are there any like, um, exploits that my like dev friends that I trust have been able to identify at a cursory overview. No. Okay. Let's ape. And then like, you know, after they've made the money that they want or they haven't, they leave. And then usually they come back once they start hearing things about the, the protocol. So uh, options liquidity mining by extending that kind of period of, uh, of, of, you know, when someone would be selling, um, especially if there's things that, that there's actually utility to the token, um, uh, you, you're kind of creating this buffer uh, zone and, and creating, I think, a, a healthier condition for, for new people to come in. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It makes a lot of sense. And uh, again, you know, an option token is, is, is it just gives you uh, like a call option on the token as a reward, right? That usually has a is it American style expiration date or is it a That's European an implementation? Style? Yeah, ours That's will hard. be European, um, mm -hmm. and you have to pay fifty percent the uh, the value um, to get them. So, like, if you just want to spin them up, and you know, you can only extract fifty percent of the value. The other fifty percent then goes to the current stakers. But there are other uh, implementations that are um, 
you know, that, that don't necessarily have that. You can, you can exercise that. I think actually, now let's say it out loud. I think most of them are European. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to be European because that really kind of sets like a time horizon. Yeah. Um, to kind of get that real value out of the buffer zone. Right. Um, they weren't I European. Think I think you'd kind of fall into the, um, the same issue that you have with vanilla liquidity mining because you would have this, um, this kind of like base attention period where there's mania and everyone's paying attention and the token's going to run up and everyone who's liquidity mining at that time, they would just exercise like in profit prior to their expiration. So you kind of need them European to align incentives and, and, you know, have it architecturally be in a way to where people still aren't just farming and dumping. Um, And Mr. Plenty, uh, tapioca is an omni-chain money market. Let's uh, let's talk about Omnichain a little bit. I think. Um, yeah, let me know, dude. So, me- I, I think especially with CCIP uh, lowering the barriers a little bit, and post multi-chain, um, the issues of multi-chain and Phantom, like Phantom, me being mm-hmm. a, a Phantom fanboy, it's like pretty much dead in the water. Like I don't, I don't know how you come back from that, but I can see like. Never thought I'd hear those words come out of DK's mouth. I know. <laughs> that, was, that, was my, that was my first big break. Um, but I definitely see a short-term uh, a future, like people make, making this decision as protocols to all become native issuers, right? Like I could see bridging like dying, right? Like hmm. we don't need bridges. We native issue on you know, most of the chains that we want optimistic it'd be super easy to roll out on any of the, the super chain uh, to roll out there. Like more people implement like what USDC did like for Arbitrum where they became the native issuer and the bridge asset they're trying to phase out. I can see that happening for, you know, all protocols become the native issuer, right? And so if that's happening, then you are able to not circumnavigate, but you are able to better navigate the time delays on bridging or what would traditionally be a canonical bridge uh Mm -hmm. exit which is like on arbitrum like seven days you can kind of circumnavigate that and so you get the benefits um and then you also like you know you 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 don't really need a bridge too much anymore right and then with Mm -hmm. that issuing uh you're going to start to like the uniswap x component trees like and ccip once ccip is not doesn't have the lock uh, unlock uh, functions available yet. Right now, it's only uh, mint and burn. But once mm-hmm. they do that, release that functionality, um, it's going to be really easy for you to native issue on destination chain, and then you know do a do a quick like RFQ type uh, swap. And so like multi-chain swaps will become a lot easier without doing bridge and swaps. And it's just going to be an overall safer process and, you know, with having things locked up on bridges. So I could see bridges being like something that's like phased out quickly. Eventually people will figure out atomic swapping for all assets and then yeah. bridging is bridges are dead because you don't yeah. need a bridge to, if you know, if you're agreeing on uh, your token amounts and swapping. Um, Mr. Plen- got plenty said i think Chainlink is going to be the death of crypto it's the only game in town on price oracles if they go down everything will depeg so 
there's actually a lot of new Oracle providers that have been popping up um, over the last uh, two years now. Um, but mm -hmm. some of them are, are starting to pick up some steam. Uh, we'll, we'll do a soft shill. We'll be using um, Redstone. They're another provider, uh, as well as Chainlink, obviously, uh, for V3. Um, and Redstone provides very similar Oracle services as Chainlink, um, but they have some different requirements for listing tokens, uh, and they're able to get things up a little bit more quickly. So there's uh, there are more assets that are available for protocols. Now, uh, there, there are trade-offs in some of the lower liquidity tokens that like a protocol would have to kind of make a choice on uh, with like deviations of um twop and things like that but uh there are and, and then there's um another one called pith that a lot of people are using now in DeFi. um so there are other oracle providers that are popping up that are gaining popularity um uh that are i don't want to say like necessarily coming for for Chainlink's lunch by any means mm -hmm. Chainlink, i still i still think is like the standard uh by a long shot and, and it's because of their their security measures they kind of have in place or their listing requirements mm -hmm. they have in place. But um, that doesn't mean that there aren't options out there and that there aren't um, other providers that people can use um, so that they're not beholden to Chainlink if they have any fears of, you know, uh, just using Chainlink. But the other thing is like Chainlink has a, a pretty robust network of um, data providers that they're sourcing data from for all these assets on chain and off chain. So it's not... Um, you know, it's not like you're you're trusting some guy at Chainlink that's posting uh, data to you. <laughs> like they're they're aggregating data from all over the place. Okay, I will add. I think uh, back to your meta point. I think that the decentralization at like fully decentralized everything ethos has died a lot in the last eighteen months. Right, like mm -hmm. everyone's been hit by by some sort of hack or scam or something right like everyone it, it hits like i don't know a single person that hasn't been impacted right um and so i think that that whole full decentralized everything um or i'm not going to deposit my money into it kind mm -hmm. of outlook is has definitely been dying um and with that um which you know was chain link was was very key to and in, in helping set up that um with those you know those um i don't know with that with that change in mentality you're starting to see mm -hmm. some of these other oracle providers that uh you're not necessarily having like a strict trade-off but the the cost to to upkeep the cost to to bring on chain uh is drastically smaller the the requirements are 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 not as stringent but then you also like, you know, you're giving up a little bit of decentralization in, in that. And, and I think that I think that's OK to a certain extent. I think that everyone should be ultimately focused on long term, still decentralizing everything. But especially when you're in like a like a infancy period or an up, like a new upgrade or, you know, there's you're using new technologies. Um, I think that losing some of the decentralization is okay. Like upgradability of, of contracts, I think is okay for a period of time. And uh, especially if you have some guarantees like time locks and stuff like that. Um, and, and like, I, I think that we will slowly move to that being the future. Now from a regulatory perspective of like, is that full custodianship? Uh, that is like the, the major pressure against that. Mm. Um, I think that 
dependent on like who is who's who is speaking up for everyone you can you can navigate that conversation with regulators and be like look do we want to do full decentralization and then if it shit happens shit hits the fan there's nothing we can do or do we want to still have that like you know that that ability to to save user funds uh if there is an mm-hmm. issue um and still not you know uh place the same regulations that a full custodian should have yeah it seems like regulation is a real big blockage across a lot of the things that the industry kind of needs um and two Mr. Got Plenty's point, uh, no one uses new oracles. Ask any dev how they would feel if Chainlink goes down, and you will hear their hearts skip a beat. Um, I think what you guys are saying isn't that, you know, uh, Chainlink going down will not be a problem. More so, Chainlink isn't the only game in town, so there is, like, a f- like fallback options, right? Like, if Chainlink did yep. explode, then I'll you, challenge you could just Plenty. link up with someone else. I'll challenge Mr. Plenty on... USDC DPEG, right? Mm-hmm. Chainlink did turn off some of their oracles, if I remember correctly, right? And that mm-hmm. caused some of um, it caused some issues with like loans, uh, the collateral, collateralization rate of some of some assets. So mm-hmm. it, like it has happened in the past, and then also there are plenty of protocols that I bet you don't even know that are using like Pith oracles. Yeah, Pith is Pith has become pretty popular um, in DeFi. A lot of um, protocols from the last year and a half, I'd say. Um, not, I, I think they were pretty popular in Solana at one point, but now bridging into like Arbitrum and Ethereum. Um, Synthetics uses Pith. Yeah, um, there are a handful now that that use Pith, um, mm-hmm. and and Redstone is is uh, one you'll probably start hearing a lot more of. Um, a lot of protocols that I've been talking to recently are are doing things with Redstone, and it's simply because they they have you know newer they have more asset availability. Mm. Um, that was our our one roadblock really with uh, Chainlink, and it's it's a double edged sword because you know uh, you know that if you're listing assets that Chainlink has oracles for, that there's a pretty good chance that those assets. Uh, will still be around in mm-hmm. we'll say like 18 to 24 months so you can you can substantiate uh, markets for those mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, all the new assets that are kind of finding their zero to one moment and on dexes and that there's a lot of hype about you don't ever really know you know how much liquidity uh, those are going to, to bring uh, how those markets are going to flourish what those projects like uh, on the security side of things, if they'll have any exploit and that will kind of end them early. Um, so it's like you, you want to be at the forefront and you want to be able to provide brand new markets uh, for people as soon as they're, they're available as soon as the token launches. But at the same time, like you want to make sure that uh, you're not leading people off a bridge, uh, no pun intended, you know, like that mm-hmm. you're not uh, just providing a market, because of hype um, and everyone losing money because of that, because, you know, the market's gone or because a, a exploit happens and it goes to zero. And now everyone in one of the pools is uh, losing money. Like, you don't want those things to happen. Um, so, you know, there's, there's pip on OP2. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're going everywhere. Um, <clears throat> so it's just like, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that you're finding balance between, um, security, not just in like your architecture, but for the product that you're providing to people and availability of new markets and assets so that people don't feel like they're, they're not able to take part in like the new hype 
and mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the spot decks market. I, w- I will lead one thing real quick is that with, I don't know if Pith is exactly like this. I know the Redstone's kind of like this, is that you decentralize some of the calculation of the price. However, the bringing on chain is not necessarily decentralized. Whereas Chainlink, the full suite is decentralized, right? Like the, ga- the aggregation mm-hmm. of the price, all the different nodes are calculating the price. You then, they reach a consensus of what the price is. And then the bringing that on chain is then done, you know, in, in a similar fashion. And so you might have some of that that uh, consensus off chain, but then bringing it in on chain can also be a single point of failure in some of these new Oracle solutions. Um, we have a pretty cool solution that we're looking at right now to kind of bring the best of both worlds together. But mm-hmm. finish engineering before we kind of announce that. It was a top secret. I love Solidly's, you know, like model two of just like <clears throat> exclude, essentially like excluding blocks where there's on chain fuckery that takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's a great way to um, to to <coughs> calculate price using just on-chain data. Um, so yeah, there's there's like a lot of like cool ways that you can go about it. Um, it's just kind of like what fits for a protocol's use case and like where are you making sacrifices? You know. I like that giving people options or projects options, you know. So if if Chainlink is Coca Cola, we got some Mr. Pib out there. We got some RC Cola. We got some other options. Uh, if it's not to your taste, uh, real subtle, quick, plug. Uh, <laughs> subtle plug. Subtle uh, plug. So in Premium Blue, you have mm-hmm. the option. Uh, no pun intended. When if you mm-hmm. initiate a new market. Um, you can choose which Oracle provider you want oh. to provide the pricing for uh, that market. So if, if you want to use Chainlink Oracles, you can use Chainlink Oracles. If you want to use Redstone Oracles, uh, we'll have Redstone natively as well. Um, if you want to chain Oracles together to create price, a price feed that didn't previously exist, you can do that. And like what I mean by that is like Premia doesn't have a, an uh, a chain link Oracle and it doesn't mm-hmm. have a premium USD spot market as a premium ETH market, but people are going to want to trade premium USD option market. They're not going to want to trade a premium ETH market. That'd be pretty confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so in order to do that, we would take like a, a premium ETH, um, a redstone Oracle and chain that with an ETH USD Oracle from like Chainlink, oh. let's say. And now you have a premium USD market that you can use. So you can do some pretty cool things with uh, chaining oracles and you'll have the options to use, uh, you know, the same oracle for each of the, uh, the, the, um, <laughs> the call asset and then your base asset um, or the put asset in your base asset. And then, uh, or you'll be able to combine them. So there, there's kind of a lot of cool things you can do to um, create different price feeds for your assets. Yeah, I think we call that like what modular. They're modular in some way. I mean, I love that word uh, that you can uh, kind of build things customized. Uh, yeah, DK loves different. that word too. Yeah, <laughs> it's real hot right now. Modular. Uh, modular also, system. I saw a question from Mister Got Plenty up there. Uh, how do I buy O tokens? Just to clarify, uh, O tokens are like a reward token, right? For for participating in or locking, right? So. You're not really buying them. Uh, you're kind of earning them. So there are going to be projects implementing that as like an earning feature, right? Yeah, there's a there's a handful. Like uh, Andre Cronje, I think, originally like laid out kind of a blueprint for O tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, open. To- and, yeah, open. And then uh, Tapioca 
implemented no token model. There's another protocol right. that was a, a spinoff of uh, Olympus Pro. Um, they're called Bond Protocol. They're doing yeah. um, a no token model that's based off of like Tapioca's and Andre's. Um, then, yeah, then we're doing our, our options uh, liquidity mining, which is a bit, di- a little different than what they're doing. But um, yeah, they're, they're reward tokens. Yeah. So it's just a good uh, concept to understand because I think what you're going to see is this springing up a lot more in various projects. Uh, so good thing to get familiar with so you kind of know what you're playing with. Uh, now, I want to shift tracks again here uh, to more global markets, right? Uh, there was a news story that came out today. Uh, oh, well, we got we got a super chat. We got to address this here. If you're going to add infrastructure coins to your portfolio, who would you choose? Example, Layer Zero, Oracle's data storage. What are the tickets? Huh? <laughs> what are the tickets? <laughs> like what? What tickers? Or... Oh, the tickers, the tickers. Uh, uh I I don't um trade too many alts anymore, so I, I don't really have a portfolio uh filled of of infrastructure stuff. I I could tell you like the infrastructure projects I really like. You know, like we're we're big uh graph users and supporters of the graph. Um, obviously Chainlink, Layer Zero. If Layer Zero drops a token, um, you know I I, I fully support like everything Layer Zero is doing. Our our VX Premia is uh, layer zero native. Um, what other infrastructure stuff is out there right now that has well, tokens attached to them? Yeah. Um, Chainlink. There's a lot without tokens right now that may have tokens. Yeah, um, yeah. That's why I was trying to think like what what exists that does. The only reason like layer zero can really be mentioned is because they highlighted in their docs, so mm-hmm. you know that they're going to have a token. Um, but yeah, we, we don't necessarily even want to really shill too many, but these are things you sh- you could look into, right? Yeah, Some yeah. Options. I'm definitely not saying buy anything. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. I don't look at altcoin tokens uh, charts enough to, uh, especially like in this environment, to um, to be shilling infrastructure stuff. You know, in this environment, you're like you're garbage uh, dumpster diving, and like <laughs> y- you don't share anything that's in your portfolio <laughs> yeah. publicly. Yeah, you don't want people to know that you actually got burned pretty big on bald. Uh, so yeah, yeah, or F bald, or SBF yeah. is bald. Um, yeah, yeah, VE bald. Um, so, so yeah, I I don't know. Um, uh, on the infrastructure side of things, there's a lot of like cool cool things that are being built. I I wouldn't really like build a portfolio out of infrastructure tokens, but I think like the infrastructure itself is really cool, and like it always interests me to dive into what people are building to help you know, support other protocols. Yeah. It's important stuff. It's important stuff. So now that we got the super chat out of the way, I want to go back to greater market world market here. Uh, Cause there was a big news story that came out uh, that the U S credit rating was again, downgraded. Uh, I remember about 10 years ago it was downgraded by S and P. Yeah, but now Fitch is on board. We're double A plus. We're only getting a ninety-eight score, man. Hey, look, they were on the, they were on CNBC this morning. They're like, look, it's still the second best score, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Market hated it, um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's look, they're, they're forecasting. You know, the the most anticipated um, uh, downturn of the economy that's that's ever been there, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the recession that everyone's been talking about since the beginning of last year, uh, when it actually comes, Fitch is claiming that it will come Q4, Q1. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's why they're kind of saying that the governance uh, of, of how the U.S. dollar is controlled is kind of degraded. So they're going to move it to double A, double A plus. Yeah, they're, they're sick of us reaching gridlock every uh, three months about the debt ceiling or whatever. Uh, yeah. It makes yeah, them uncomfortable. In May, they said that, you know, U.S. US uh, debt is on, on watch. So, mm. I mean, you could have, I mean, I don't know if it definitely wasn't priced in given this morning, but is yeah. it going to be as big as an impact as the S&P downgraded to 2011? Probably not. It'll probably mm. be a nothing burger in a week. Yeah. Uh, so. so as an Amerifat, I pretty much just look at uh, at USA. Um, but aren't you guys based out of UK or something? Is it something crazy going on over there? Is it as wild as it is here? I mean, I see UK is at 87, dude. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah who knows what's going to go on with the UK? Like, and if you look at like the real inflation versus like published inflation of the UK, like published inflation is something like, I don't know, like 8% still. But like, if you look at real inflation numbers, it's still double digits. Wow. Um, they're, they're, they've been slow to move. Historically, they've been slow to move. Um, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the real estate markets out there. It's always kind of interesting to look at. We'll see what happens with um, like if they pick up speed on on their interest rates, like how fast and how sudden can the market drop? Um, mm -hmm. if, the, if the U.S. government does start to reach levels of recession and we're starting to see slowdowns and I, I do think that we'll see slowdowns um like the the trillions of dollars that, that everyone had on their bank account like you know beginning of 2021 is pretty much almost dwindled and we have what mm -hmm. i think we have maybe six to eight months of of dwindling left before we're, we're starting to hit like starting to hit bottom we have like what we're losing 100 million dollars and 100 billion dollars in deposits a month in the u.s um so yeah it's nasty yeah, I mean, we were at like we were at like the biggest surplus in in U.S. Uh, savings, you know, sa checking and savings accounts uh, in like 2021, and then it just like disappeared. All right, just fucking gone. So yeah, uh, it's we're it's interesting a little bit at the savings rate here, uh, consumer saving rates, and yeah, it's been kind of brutal here. Uh, we were pretty big in 2020, but trending downwards now. So it's a not chart. <laughs> pretty much U.S. Uh, personal banking savings accounts. I mean, Americans have never been really good at saving uh, money, you know, historically. Uh, everyone likes to invest in the U.S. Um, or, but, you know, well, this page is loading here very slowly. So, uh, you know, anticipating a recession still in the U.S., I've been seeing, uh, like you're saying, DK, a lot of people are forecasting, dude, what? Oh, a lot of people are forecasting, uh, a recession starting early next year like you said but right now it's still pretty strong dude the u.s can't be beat dude we can't be, get beat down even by these high interest rates everyone's working <laughs> uh two percent two point four percent up last quarter but uh definitely expecting this to slow down right these things have a uh, long-term slowdown effects right yeah i mean i i will say that powell has i mean this is his job right but he's been he's very good about this is what we're gonna do and then he does mm -hmm. it. And then the markets are like, he's lying. Like, they're going to pivot faster than normal. And he's been <laughs> saying, like, we don't anticipate reducing rates until, like, 2000, uh, 2025, right? It's like, we're going to hold here, Whoa. You know, come down. 
it's going to come down and we're not going to have to cut rates. Right. And like, obviously mm-hmm. based on data, um, we'll see how much was, the, how much was the economy down though? You know, I feel like this is like the, mm-hmm. the soy, soy Jack meme where it's like 2%. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you know, like how, because when, when I go out, right. Um, mm-hmm. are there more people working than in the midst of COVID? Yeah, of course. You know, there are more mm-hmm. people working. Of course, like lines aren't as long when you go places. But you know, there are as many workers as pre like COVID. A hundred percent not. Like every restaurant that I walk into has a line because they don't have enough staff. Every mm-hmm. bank has half as many tellers as they used to have. Well, like every place that I go to is like well, since, uh, since COVID ahead, happened, we've had what ten million people retire in the US mm-hmm. or eight million people retire in the US. So like um, there's definitely going to be a, sh- a shortage for jobs. Like, I, I, I don't think that the, the, the amount of people that are hitting peak retirement right now is like 400 K a month. Right. And yeah, so those boomers are aging out. They've yeah, switched so. things around and like, now you get charged a fee to buy things online, uh, like for a store. Like, you know, you, when you used to go to the movies, it used to be cheaper to buy it online than to buy mm. it at the, the movie theater. Now right. it's cheaper to buy it at the movie theater than it is to buy it on your phone because they're charging you like, you know, three other fees on top of that to subsidize, like, you know, what they're, they're losing from people not going out anymore. And, Mm. and, you know, you don't have people working there anymore either. There's like one line open and then a a order from your phone line. So yeah, we can expect a bloodbath. That's what I'm getting here. (laughs) No, I think it's it's going to be brutal in the street. When you anticipate something like this, so far out and we've been talking about this recession for two years this inevitable recession that Mm -hmm. people better prepare for things right and so i think it will be a softer landing i think the us is positioning ourselves uh you know no no ducks (laughs) us is positioning uh (laughs) us is positioning uh itself as um in a pretty good spot right so like bringing a lot of onshoring a lot of different um uh, a lot of different industries, like moving a lot more to like Mexico, like in terms of like mm-hmm. global trade stuff, Canada and Mexico is, it, it provides a lot for the US. I can see it hurting on a lot more other regions of the world uh, mm-hmm. come next year. But you also remember like it's a, it's an election year next year. So like going into an election year and everyone's like poor and angry and without jobs, like I, I could see them, you know, starting to print again, just because like yeah. if you were to see a slowdown, like you, don't go into an election year people poor and wanting jobs so yeah to be clear i'm not my comments i'm not like bearish uh u.s economy it's more just i think it's funny because i see all these i see all these uh like you know the tradfi accounts that i follow and uh and stuff Mm -hmm. like this and it's like they're so happy about this 2.4 percent increase and it's like dude how how down are we you know it's just like that part is funny to me that we're championing it of course it's up you know like uh, the world is trying to operate again and people are able to move around freely and people need money again. You know, they can't just mm-hmm. sit on their ass and have an excuse anymore. And now there's, you know, you can't, you can't put it on COVID and try to get more money from the government for something. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be up when you were at such abysmal lows, uh, even uh, some would say a manufactured low because of the uh, shuttering of businesses. Um, not that, you know, I mean, probably needed to be done or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's hard not to, to come up from that. 
So we're at the hour mark here, but I do want to get you guys' opinion on another flavor of the month topic right now, which is uh, WorldCoin. And uh, the latest news about WorldCoin has been banned in Kenya. Uh, so even Kenyans are, are hip to this. I mean, it is banned in the U.S. I think they can still scan your eyeball here, but you can't read the docs. Uh, so that seems fair. You know, the, um, the thing that I think is the most funny about this is um, I mentioned to you a bit earlier was that the the world coin like iris scanner this like scanner and database it's not connected to the app in any way so like you have a phone app on your phone mm-hmm. you scan your face or you know touch ID or you put in a pin code for that and that is how you access all of your data and then like worldcoin just has the database of all of the people who are who are there anyone that has your passcode to your phone <clears throat> or to the app can, can access your data. So like it's completely Sybil, uh, Sybilable, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to make a post about it saying like, we never said this was a hundred percent like civil proof or civil free, you know, there are, there are mm-hmm. shortcomings to it and stuff, but um, I, I'm very bearish on like, you know, tying ID to like crypto and, and things like that. I, I personally like hate that, um, that whole, uh, niche group of builders and, and like Silicon Valley ask people that like really want to push tying real world identity to, mm-hmm. um, to you. I liked, you know, back in the day, civic was doing like civic ID and stuff like that. <clears throat> And that was kind of a cooler implementation because you kind of chose what data you shared with people. So like, you know, you could choose, you could upload all of your data to this, to their app. And then if you only needed to to share with someone your work history or like your, your health history or something, you could do that. And you didn't have to expose everything to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And with this, it doesn't seem like that's like the angle they're going for. They're going for like, let's aggregate and collect all of your data. And then like, Mm -hmm. we'll figure out what we can do with this later. But anyone can kind of access it. So it puts the users in a pretty, in a pretty bad spot from the get go. DK, I know you got a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff to say on WorldCoin. They, they have not shied away from the fact that you're, they're gathering this data so that governments and businesses can use it. I think that from a purely incentive basis, let's create something that even, you know, that that blurs the line between what is human created and what is machine created. And then we create this problem and then let's solve it on the other side. Right. Like the whole the whole basis of being, you know, a lead on creating the problem and then solving the problem in a different company is I, I, I think that's very dystopian. Um but yeah, they, they haven't ever shied away from like, okay, this is how we identify you. Um, look, like we've given up all of our privacies already, right? Like if mm-hmm. Uber gets hacked, like everyone, like they know who's having affairs, right? They know who's, you know, spent time at, you know, certain health clinics, right? Like, they, like they, we've already given up our privacy on our phones. So like, I mm-hmm. understand the fact of like, okay, we need better protections in place and we need uh, like, I'm, uh, I'm kind of okay for like, um, quality of life improvements because of it. Um, I just don't think Worldcoin is the answer there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's if you're under any sort of there, there is no we've given up privacy. Like like that's done. Yeah. Like it, we've already given that up. Now it's just a matter of like protecting that 
um, mm-hmm. putting large, you know, large penalties if that's not protected. And if not, then you shouldn't be collecting that specific, if you're not willing to, to, to die by the sword, live and die by the sword, then you shouldn't be collecting those levels of data. But yeah, I don't, I, I do think that biometrics is going to be the future in terms mm-hmm. of like proving your authenticity and, and doing like being a, in a safe way, being able to, to prove uh, personhood or, or, you know, jurisdiction, domicile, stuff like that. I think it will be biometrics. Uh, I just don't think WorldCoin is the, is the right implementation. Yeah, I believe uh, one of the leads on the project did say uh, it's coming, whether you like it or not. Uh, it sounded kind of ominous, but I think that's just a simple fact, right? They're gonna they're gonna want to prove, you know, that you're a human. But there is a bit of a problem here in that. Um, I believe Cozy was telling me uh, there's some social Chinese credit companies. system for all. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some Chinese companies, right? Just uh, paying people like a dollar, two dollars. Uh, I don't know the country in Africa, but to scan their irises, right? Yeah. So there's, uh, it was uncovered that there were these larger Chinese groups that had brokers on the ground in different African countries, essentially air, <laughs> the real life airdrop farmers, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they were paying people small amounts of money, um, mm-hmm. to get their iris scanned and then handing over the information in like, in like lots of a hundred people at a time from these brokers, um, and then they, when the, you know, airdrop happened, they, you know, obviously they what the airdrop was worth like $50 a person or something. So it's like, you know, what a new crazy way to exploit, uh, people yeah. <laughs> in a poor country, uh, real innovative, uh, real quick. The last thing I have on this segment, then we can wrap up the show. Uh, I saw this tweet from a guy in Kenya. He says, Thousands of men are lining up for the Kenyan shilling, 7,000 offered by WorldCoin, and none of going for the Kenyan shilling, 300,000 offered to impregnate Moranga women. Uh, I just thought that was an insane thing to tweet, but pretty funny. Because <laughs> uh, oh. it isn't really that much money. Yeah. It, it isn't is. really that much money to give your identity away. But- it's crazy what people will do for for free tokens. It's like it, mm-hmm. it's the hopes that they'll be worth significantly more in the future. So like mm-hmm. I don't want to miss out on getting these free tokens. Uh, and it, and I think it a lot of it is this mindset, like DK said, that we've already given away all of our privacy. So why does it matter if we give away more? It's like totally the wrong outlook. It should be. Like, okay, what have I already given up? How can I like fix that? Is there anything I can do about that data being out there? And what do I need to do to protect more of my data from leaking out to the public? Um, Because, you know, it's not the, I mean, it is the companies, right? But it's not the companies that you're giving the data to, like that you're, you're inherently worried that that company has the data. It's what happens when they mishandle the data and it gets into the hands of someone else. Um, And that's the problem with projects like this, that you're, you're creating this database of data of everyone around the world. And then, you know, it's not uh, airtight. You mm-hmm. already have people day one that are finding ways to get other people's data and information. Um, <clears throat> look, I, I don't mean, know. I, I miss when crypto was all about, you know, privacy and we, we mm-hmm. were, you know, um shadowy uh super coders quote unquote and everyone just like kind of brushed it off like it is very dystopian and black mirror-esque to me when i see things like 
uh, like BitClout, right? Like I was pretty vocal about uh, at the time uh, how much I despised BitClout, um, all of the things I saw that they were doing that were scammy and unethical. Um, and my overall take that just like when you, you create tokens for people and you put prices on their head, that you literally are putting a price on their head if they have enough social status because mm -hmm. you now have a way to make significant monetary gain off the shortcomings of someone's life uh, or inverse things really good happening in someone's life. Although it's much easier to make bad things happen to someone than good things happen uh, in the public uh, opinion sphere. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I've always been very against um, uh, projects in this kind of, you know, bubble, we'll say, where you're tying people like real people to to tokens. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that I mean, I'm an old man, so it doesn't feel like that long ago to me that uh, we had a huge swath of uh, hacks uh, claiming people's personal data. I think Credit Karma, I think a couple credit reporting agencies were hacked and they lost everyone's social security numbers. Uh, and it, it seems like this is probably not implemented even nearly as well. Like the incentives aren't nearly as uh, well aligned to keep this data safe. Um, I mean, if they're even admitting they want to use it. I want to apologize. I was, uh, <laughs> I was saying, I want to apologize to Mr. Got Plenty. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry that the... <laughs> The inverse Naruto is gonna to make you not gonna make it, but uh, I don't. I don't really trade uh, anything other than ETH. Um, you know, I, I'm purely like a, a upfall downfall trader, and then complete like degen shitcoiner. So either like <laughs> you're finding me on the newest chain, aping the most like ridiculous stuff that you would never tell your neighbor that you own, or I'm just like trading ETH ball. So I don't have a lot of uh, token recommendations because I just like, I don't, I'm not one who, I, I'm not one who indexes anymore. I did that back in like 20, the, the first, you know, um, big, big altcoin, you could say like mm -hmm. phase in the 2017, 2018, like time period. And um, I learned that indexing on the way down does not work the way that it does on the way up um yeah. so now i stick to to trading what i'm i'm comfortable with and what i'm i feel like i'm good at hey man it's all good don't feel bad i'd hate for any one of us to be the reason mr got plenty turns into mr got less <laughs> got little so uh yeah we don't, we don't want to show any specific tokens but i think we gave you some good options to look into um but yeah guys we're here about an hour 15 i hate to take up too much of your time I really appreciate you guys coming on the day. I think we had a really nice discussion. I think we covered a large uh, amount of things and uh, some good things to look into, like O tokens and Premium Blue. It's sounding sexier by the day. When do you think we're going to get to see this thing? Uh, we're doing um, no pressure. I hate to ask developers. It's not going to be a soft launch anymore, DK. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we're doing, we're doing a, excuse me, an open beta roughly around the 17th, 17th to 20th around there of this month. Um, and then that's so like everything will be live um, except for permissionless pool deployment. And so like we can start to start to have people migrate over from premium V2 to V3 and we can start to see people like uh, we can start to help people onboard programmatically. So like using our SDK and connecting to the market, stuff like that. And so that there's like, you know, there's not a ton of volume to 
we're not trying to push a ton of volume, but the markets will be live. But when we'll actually start doing like the grand opening kind of thing where we'll where we'll start doing marketing pushes and, and start encouraging people to start utilizing the platform will be the first week of September. So pretty awesome. Soon. I love it, dude. Love All render, right, Mr. Got Plenty. Uh, that's a that's actually a project I will say I'm I'm a huge fan of. I've been uh I've been mining render since their their beta. They like got me in as a whenever their their beta like mining thing started and I've been contributing GPU power to them for many years. <laughs> Lag, dude. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. I want to thank uh, everyone in chat, everyone watching later or the recording. Uh, remember to like and subscribe. And, uh, you know, this has been a Block Bytes broadcast. Everyone, have a good day. <laughs> this has been a Block Bytes blast. Uh, thank you, Corval. Appreciate you having us again. Um, anytime you need some extra guests to fill in, hit us up. Yep. Appreciate oh, yeah. you. Yes. Hell yeah, guys. All right. Well, peace, everybody.